You are listening to Scripture Study Jams, a podcast scripture study companion. I'm Rachel Wilson, and recently I've been pondering over how my past has shaped me into the person I am now. There are many times I've had to sacrifice comfort for growth, but those were the moments that shaped my character in significant ways. Yet when I was in the moment, I struggled to maintain a positive perspective. I couldn't see the growth and knowledge I would gain. Maybe you have felt the same way. The scriptures we cover in today's episode, 1 Nephi 1 to 1 Nephi 2 verse 7, will help you whether you are in the middle of a trial or you are needing a reminder to pause and assess your past progress. If you place yourself in the scriptures today, the story of Lehi's family will come alive and you will take something from their lives that can help you in your own. Let's start with some context for the book of 1 Nephi to help us see Lehi and his family as real people. Simply put, 1 Nephi is all about a family trying to stay unified and faithful as they follow the commandments of the Lord, overcome challenges, and make difficult decisions to stay true to their faith in Christ. Sounds a lot like what we are trying to do in our day. The family story begins in Jerusalem. The parents Lehi and Sariah had dwelt at Jerusalem their whole lives. At this time, they had four children, Laman, Lemuel, Sam, and Nephi. According to BYU professor Jeffrey R. Chadwick, Lehi had a house in Jerusalem, but he also had a land of his inheritance about 30 miles north of Jerusalem that contained a lot of his riches. He also suggests that Lehi and his son Nephi could have been professional metalsmiths, a high-tech profession of Lehi's day. This could be why Lehi possessed gold, which was rare at the time, and why Nephi was so obsessed with the fine workmanship of the sword of Laban. Basically, they were a well-off family with a stable, comfortable life. As a prophet called by God, Lehi was preaching during a very politically tumultuous year for Jerusalem. Earlier that year, King Jehoiakim had foolishly revolted against the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, then died. His son, Jehoiakim, was forced to try to repair the damage his father had caused. He reigned for only three months before he submitted to Nebuchadnezzar's threatening presence to save his city. Unfortunately, as a consequence of his father's revolt, many citizens of Jerusalem were taken captive by the Babylonians. A man named Zedekiah was given the throne after swearing his allegiance to Nebuchadnezzar. Three kings in one year is quite the record. Of course, the remaining citizens of Jerusalem longed for peace and stability, so they didn't really like it when many prophets, including Lehi, came around, telling them they needed to repent or they would be destroyed for real next time. The people rejected the truth, and instead they believed the popular false prophets' pacifying messages of peace. This was a typical life of a prophet at the time. Spencer W. Kimball asserted, Prophets are the most loving of men. It is because of their love and integrity that they cannot modify the Lord's message merely to make people feel comfortable. They are too kind to be so cruel. Prophets of our day have the same role to fulfill. Their priority is to communicate the Lord's message as he wants it communicated. Sometimes this means anywhere from gentle reminders or reassurances to blunt truths and calls to repentance. It is important to remember the prophet's motives for what they do, love for the Lord and love for the people. During his first crazy year of Zedekiah's reign as king, Lehi took his heart full of worries about his people to the Lord. A pillar of fire dwelt upon a rock before him, and he received revelation from the Lord. 
After returning to his house, he fell upon his bed, overcome with the spirit, and was carried away in a vision. He saw God on his throne in heaven, surrounded by multitudes of singing angels. He also saw Christ and the twelve apostles. One gave him a book and invited him to read it. As he read, he was filled with the Spirit of the Lord, and along with seeing the destruction of his people, the Lord showed him his plan of mercy for those who come unto him. Lehi's heart was filled, and his soul did rejoice. Feeling renewed and full of love, Lehi once again went forth among the people, testifying of their wickedness and abominations, and the coming of the Messiah, and also the redemption of the world. Despite his genuine, love-inspired boldness, you can probably imagine just how popular Lehi was with the party people. His message was rejected, and the Jews were angry with him, and they also sought his life that they might take it away. It is important to note at this point in the story that as the author, Nephi's focus is not on how hard it is to be a disciple or how hard it is to live the commandments of God. Instead, he wants to show us that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith to make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance. He wants us to see that although discipleship can be difficult due to man's reactions and imperfections, God, through tender mercies, will deliver the faithful. Elder David A. Bernard defined tender mercies as the very personal and individualized blessings, strength, protection, assurances, guidance, loving kindness, consolation, support, and spiritual gifts, which we receive from and because of and through the Lord Jesus Christ. By teaching us to see the Lord's hand in his family's trials, Nephi is training us to recognize the tender mercies in our own lives. Lehi is a great example of having confidence in the Lord's tender mercies and power of deliverance. When the Lord spoke to him in a dream, expressing gratitude for his faithfulness and telling him he should take his family and depart into the wilderness, he did as the Lord commanded him, abandoning his house, land of inheritance, gold, silver, and precious things. Leaving his comfort zone for the wilderness, he took his family and some supplies into the unknown. Can you imagine leaving behind everything you have known your whole life? Can you imagine knowing you have to leave but not knowing exactly where you are going? Can you imagine the burden of providing for and protecting a family within a dangerous, unpredictable wilderness? When you lay it out like that, you realize that Lehi's experience is extremely relatable. Maybe you have had to leave your home, your family, your friends, your financial security, your dreams, or your wants. Maybe you had to take a leap of faith without knowing the future. This could look like changing jobs, having a baby, altering the direction of your life, not marrying the person you thought you would, serving a mission, accepting a calling that makes you nervous, or moving somewhere new. Maybe you feel burdened by worries for your family and friends in a world that sometimes feels like a harsh wilderness. Lehi's story is for all of us. He teaches us that when we are in similar circumstances, we need to take our concerns to the Lord, seek His will, and act upon it immediately. It may mean a complete life change or confronting something that terrifies us, but both Lehi and Nephi assure us that God will deliver the faithful. We can count on Him to send us tender mercies and guide us to where we need to be. I guess the ultimate question is, do we trust the Lord enough to move forward? Lehi sure did, but it didn't immediately get him to a fun place of comfort and safety. His family's journey, which landed them a three days journey beyond the shore of the Red Sea, 
consisted of about 12 to 14 days of travel and over 180 miles of blazing heat and barren land. At the end of this portion of their journey, there's more. <laughs> Lehi pitched his tent, built an altar of stones, and made an offering of gratitude to the Lord. Now, when God asked me to leave my comfort zone for unknown territory, or when I spend 12 to 14 days traveling in a metaphorical wilderness, I tend to freak out. My journey offerings are more like, please bless me with this prayers, or why God, why prayers? Yet Lehi had the eternal perspective. After seeing the fate of his nation in a vision, he knew that even though his circumstances were hard, God had saved his family from the fate of destruction. This destruction happened about nine years from the time the Lord commanded Lehi to depart with his family. The people had pushed King Zedekiah to break his oath of allegiance to the Babylonians, which was followed by a long siege, the destruction of the temple, the captivity of many citizens, and eventually, as the prophets foretold, the destruction of Jerusalem itself. Yet a wise and omniscient God saw the faithful in his decaying house of Israel vineyard, and he wanted to preserve the young and tender branch of Lehi and his family. So the Lord shifted Lehi's focus from trying to change a nation that would rather live in a false reality to starting a new nation on a righteous foundation. Instead of focusing on his own comfort, Lehi focused on the important work God needed him to complete. If we could learn how to elevate our perspective from the worldly to the eternal like Lehi did, we would react to our trials with an internal calmness and confidence instead of anger or worry. And I think the secret to having the ability to see the eternal comes from a focus on finding the work God wants us to complete. For Lehi, it was starting a righteous nation. We each need to figure out what God wants us to achieve. To figure that out, you can pray like Lehi did. You can also receive and reread your patriarchal blessings. Trusted family members and friends can also help you identify your unique gifts and talents. Once we have a goal to focus on, we can endure our wildernesses with greater determination. Now, with the awesomeness of Lehi in our minds, we can better understand the author Nephi. Nephi's first words were about him being born of goodly parents who taught him of the goodness and mysteries of God. Obviously, Nephi's admiration of his father shaped him and motivated him. Nephi's mom, Sariah, was just as awesome. She trusted in God by believing her husband's revelations and visions, despite the sacrifices they required. It is easy to spot Nephi's core quality of obedience in his parents' examples. Nephi's introduction also revealed a Lehi-like eternal perspective. Although Nephi experienced many afflictions in the course of his days, he could see the Lord's blessings of goodness and knowledge throughout his life. According to Nephi, his first book that spans 13 years and about 53 pages is written according to the knowledge he gained with, from his interactions with the Lord throughout his life experiences. He collected the moments in which tender mercies shone through dark trials to teach us how to see them and to help us remember that obedience, even when difficult, brings blessings. The sacrifices are worth it. If the act of writing a record of personal spiritual experiences was important then, it is definitely important now. My challenge for you this week is to write in your journal every day with a focus on the tender mercies of the Lord. Look for individualized blessings like strength, protection, reassurance, guidance, love, kindness, consolation, support, forgiveness after repenting, emotional renewal, and spiritual gifts. 
I will keep track of my tender mercies on my blog at scripturestudy.wixsite.com jams. Feel free to comment with a tender mercy you find this week. Until the next episode, thanks for listening.